Welcome to Podcastica Patristica, and welcome to the very first of our mini-episodes. Our minimal schedule is to release one full-length episode, somewhere around an hour, at the beginning of each month, and one mini-episode, somewhere around 15 minutes, in the middle of the month. For this first mini-episode, I'm your host, Gerhard Steuben, and we're going to talk about Christmas in the ancient Middle East. church theologians I love more than the one I'm talking to you about today. He was a monk, a churchman, a theologian, and a hymn writer whose extreme popularity won him the nickname the Harp of the Spirit. He wrote voluminously and in very diverse genres. He wrote commentaries, sermons, letters, apologies, and especially, as I've said, hymns. The man I'm going to talk to you about today might rightly be called the church's greatest ever theologian poet. His name, Ephraim the Syrian. Ephraim lived in the 4th century CE in Syria. He lived most of his life in Nisibis, Syria, now Nisibin, Turkey, and died in 373 in Edessa, now Sanliurfa, Turkey. He wasn't a clergy person or a priest, but he did take a sort of holy vow somewhat akin to Western monasticism. He was one of those called a Yechida, a single one, who chose to remain unmarried as an imitation of Christ's own singleness. Both in Christ's singleness as an unmarried person and Christ's singleness as the only begotten of the Father. Like other Eastern Syrians, but unlike the Western, Greek-speaking Syrians, Ephraim spoke and wrote in Syriac. Syriac was, and is, a form of Aramaic. And, if you know much about ancient Judaism and Christianity, you may remember that Jesus probably also spoke Aramaic. So Ephraim and his Syrian Christian community spoke Jesus' own language, or something extremely close to it. That's a bigger deal than it might sound like at first. Contemporary philosophers have done a great job of showing that languages, cultures, and worldviews are very, very closely linked. We think the way we do, at least in part, because that's how our cultures have taught us to think. We literally process the world through a tool granted to us by our cultures, language. With Ephraim, and with other early Syrian writers, we're encountering writers who spoke Jesus' own language were from Jesus' own native culture, and so we should assume that the Syrian church at least in part gives us an insight into how the earliest Christians, maybe even Christ himself, thought about the world and the Old Testament and God. Today though, I just want to introduce you to one specific hymn of Ephraim's, the fifth hymn on the Nativity. On a later podcast, I'll introduce Ephraim and discuss Ephraim's work in general in much more detail. But for now, we'll just read Ephraim's Christmas hymn together as a preparation for the Lord's coming ten days from now. Now there are a few things you'll want to notice as I read Ephraim's hymn to you. First, notice the theme of the ultimate majesty and unknowability of God in Ephraim's writing. The hymn is set to the tune, Who is able to speak? 
which is itself a great characterization of Ephraim's theology. God is so great, so high above the human mind, that no one can fit God inside their head. No one can ascend to God via reason. Only through God's own revelation, through God's own initiative, can God be made known. In modern theological discussion, this is called apophaticism. In Ephraim, let's just call it beautiful. Second, notice the holistic nature of salvation for Ephraim. Salvation, the gift that Jesus gives to sinful humanity, isn't just a clean slate before God. No, salvation is much more vibrant and expansive than that. Right at the beginning of the hymn, Ephraim writes, quote, This is the month that bears entirely all victories. It frees the spirit. It subdues the body. It brings forth life among mortals. For Ephraim, these three elements of salvation must always remain together as one. Spiritual renewal, self-disciplined ethical living, and the recreation of God's very good among people always and forever remain united. And they should remain united in our own thinking, too. Third, notice that Ephraim uses the pronoun she when referring to the Holy Spirit. In ancient Syrian poetry, the Holy Spirit was referred to by feminine pronouns because the Syriac word for spirit, like the Hebrew word for spirit, is feminine. If you're interested, it's rucha in Syriac and ruach in Hebrew. They're very, very similar languages, like French and Spanish levels of closeness. In Syriac, the word for Holy Spirit is rucha kadasha. And because that's a set of feminine words, the Holy Spirit was often depicted in poetry as the mother, corresponding to God the Father as, well, Father. Now, this changed a bit later, after more reflection on the implications of the Church's decision that the three members of the Trinity should be thought of as of one nature, or in Greek, homoousios. From then on, Syrian writers normally used a masculine form of the adjective holy with the feminine noun for spirit, which is really awkward in Syriac. Ephraim, though, was free to use feminine language for God the Holy Spirit. Fourth, and finally, take a moment to take in the beautiful paradoxes that Ephraim composes towards the end of the hymn, from the beginning of Joseph's speech all the way to the end. Ephraim's writing is shot through with this beautiful, paradoxical style. Ephraim is a poet's poet, a master with words, and a theologian of extraordinary depth. So let his paradoxical style wash over you and draw you into deeper theological thinking and theologically informed living. So, without any further introduction, let me read for you Ephraim's fifth hymn on the Nativity, taken from Kathleen McVeigh's wonderful edition of Ephraim's Hymns from Paulist Press. To the melody, who is able to speak? This is the month that bears utterly all joys, for slaves liberation, for the free pride, for doors garlanding, for bodies dainties and purple garments it showers in its love as if for a king. The refrain, praise to you, fair child of the virgin. This is the month that bears entirely all victories. It frees the spirit, it subdues the body, it brings forth life among mortals. 
divinity it showers in its love upon humanity. In this month, slaves recline upon rugs, and the free recline upon carpets, and kings recline upon tapestries. In a manger, the Lord of the universe reclined for the sake of the universe. Behold, O Bethlehem, David the king clothes himself in fine white linen. The Lord of David and the Son of David hid his glory in swaddling clothes. His swaddling clothes gave a robe of glory to human beings. On this day our Lord exchanged radiance for shame as the humble one. For Adam exchanged truth for evil as a rebel. The gracious one took pity. His upright deeds conquered those of the perverse. Let everyone chase away his boredom, because it was not boring for that majesty to be in the womb nine months, for our sake and to be thirty years in Sodom among madmen. Because the gracious one saw that the human race was poor and humble, he made feast days as treasure houses. He opened them for the lazy, so that the feast would stir up the lazy one to rise up and become rich. Behold, the firstborn has opened his feast day for us like a treasure house. This one day, the most perfect in the year, alone opens this treasure house. Come, let us prosper and become rich from it before it is closed. Blessed are the vigilant who plunder from it the spoils of life. It is a great disgrace if one sees his neighbor carrying away treasures, yet he in the treasure house reposes and sleeps to come out empty-handed. On this feast, let everyone garland the door of his heart. May the Holy Spirit desire to enter in its door to dwell and sanctify. For behold, she moves about to all the doors to see where she may dwell. On this feast the openings in the curtains are joyous, and the Holy One rejoices in the Holy Temple. And a voice thunders in the mouth of babes, and the Messiah rejoices in his feast as a commander of the host. On the birth of the Son, the King was enrolling the people in the census so that they would be indebted to him. To us the king came out to cancel our debts, and he wrote in his name another debt, so that he would be indebted to us. The sun conquered and engraved a symbol on the degrees that it ascended. Since it ascended, it is twelve days, and today this is the thirteenth, a perfect symbol of the birth of the sun and of his twelve. Moses shut in the lamb in April on the tenth day, a symbol of the sun, who came into the womb and closed himself up on the tenth day. He came out from the womb in this month when the light conquers. Darkness is defeated to signify that Satan is defeated, and light conquers to shout out that the firstborn is victorious. The dark one is defeated with the darkness, and our light conquers with the sun. Joseph caressed the sun as a babe. He served him as a god. He rejoiced in him as in a blessing, and he was attentive to him as to the just one, a great paradox. Who has given me the son of the Most High to be a son to me? I was jealous of your mother and wanted to divorce her. I did not know that in her womb was a great treasure that would suddenly enrich my poverty. David the king arose from my race and put on a crown. Great ignominy have I attained. For instead of a king, I am a carpenter. A crown has found me, for in my bosom is the Lord of crowns. With rival tones, Mary was aglow. She too sang, Who has granted to the barren one to conceive and give birth, to the one who is also many, to the small who is also great, who is fully present in me, yet fully present in the universe? 
the day when Gabriel entered my poor presence, he made me immediately a free woman and a servant. For I am servant of your divinity, but I am also mother of your humanity, my lord and my son. Suddenly a handmaiden has become daughter of the king by you, son of the king. Behold, the lowly one is in the house of David because of you. O son of David, behold, the daughter of the earth has reached heaven by the holy one. Indeed, how much I am amazed that an aged babe is set before me, one who lifts his gaze entirely to heaven without ceasing. The murmuring of his mouth, how it seems to me as if his silence were speaking with God. Indeed, who has seen a babe who gazes entirely everywhere? He gazes as the director of all creation above and below. He looks as the commander of the universe. How shall I open the fount of milk for you, the fount? How shall I give sustenance to you, the all-sustaining from your own table? How shall I approach with swaddling clothes, the one arrayed in streams of light? Well, friends, that's all for this time. We at Podcastica Patristica wish you a very Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah, Damn Good Danu Sankranti, and a great whatever other holiday you celebrate in December. Stay tuned for our January episode where we discuss John Chrysostom, a Greek-speaking Syrian, and another of my personal favorites. Until then, in the words of Barnabas, farewell children of love and peace. May the Lord of glory and all grace be with your spirit. Amen.